0: With more than 500 programs a year, there is never a dull moment at the Commonwealth Club. If you're a fan of this podcast and you like hearing new and provocative discussions with the most interesting people in the world, consider showing your support by joining the Commonwealth
1: Club and ensuring that the conversations never end. Visit CommonwealthClub.org special to get special rates on membership. You're listening to the podcast for Inforum, an innovation lab at the Commonwealth Club. Buy tickets to upcoming live events in San Francisco at inforumsf.org. Want even more Inforum? Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as Inforum SF.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's special program of the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm Nick Taylor, professor of English and director of the Martha Heasley Cox Center for Steinbeck Studies at San Jose State University and your moderator for the program. Today's program will feature our special guests, chef-restauranteur Jose Andres, and actor-humanitarian Sean Penn in a conversation about giving back. This program is being held in partnership with the Martha Heasley Cox Center for Steinbeck Studies at San Jose State University. It is also being done in conjunction with Inforum. At the end of the program, I will present Chef Andres with the 2020 John Steinbeck Award in the Souls of the People. Chef Andres has cited John Steinbeck as a motivator for his work, quoting Tom Joad in The Grapes of Wrath, whenever there's a fight so hungry people may eat, I will be there. Mr. Penn is a past recipient of the Steinbeck Award, and we're thrilled to have him here tonight to welcome his friend, Chef Andres, to the Circle of Honorees. We want to welcome our audience members and thank you for your support of the Commonwealth Club. We'll be discussing a lot in the next hour, and I want to ask your questions too. If you're watching along with us, please put your questions in the text chat on YouTube, and we'll get to them later in the program. And now it's my pleasure to introduce our distinguished guests. Jose Andres, chef and restaurateur, is the founder of World Central Kitchen and author of the book, We Fed an Island, the True Story of Rebuilding Puerto Rico, One Meal at a Time. And Sean Penn, actor and humanitarian and founder of the organization CORE, which stands for Community Organized Relief Effort. Both gentlemen are, of course, well-regarded for their respective talents. Chef Andres has been named one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People and awarded Outstanding Chef and Humanitarian of the Year by the James Beard Foundation. Mr. Penn is a five-time Oscar-nominated actor who has twice won the Academy Award for Best Actor for his performances in Clint Eastwood's Mystic River and Gus Van Sant's Milk. In recent years, they've worked both individually and together to provide philanthropic assistance to those in need. Today, we will salute these efforts and discuss what all we can do to help others during this challenging time. Chef Andres World Central Kitchen, founded in 2010, uses the power of food to heal communities and strengthen economies in times of crisis and beyond. World Central Kitchen has served more than 45 million fresh meals, To people impacted by natural disasters and other crises around the world in countries including the Bahamas, Indonesia, Lebanon, Mozambique, Venezuela, and the United States. Chef Andres' organization has also served more than 3.6 million meals to the people of Puerto Rico following Hurricane Maria, and in 2018 he was nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. World Central Kitchen has also served nearly 25 million meals throughout the United States, Spain, and beyond in response to the COVID pandemic. By feeding healthcare workers across the country with meals prepared at restaurants that would have otherwise remained closed due to stay at home orders, Chef Andres has provided laid off restaurant workers jobs during the pandemic. Mr. Penn's Core is a nonprofit organization dedicated to saving lives and strengthening communities affected by crisis around the world in such places as Haiti, the Bahamas, Puerto Rico, and the United States. CORE has been a leader on the front lines of the COVID-19 relief effort and is committed to an integrated approach, which is inclusive of expanded contact tracing programs and quarantine support services. In partnership with local governments, other NGOs and individuals, and companies from the private sector, the organization has been operating free COVID-19 testing sites across the United States since March, with a focus on serving vulnerable and underserved communities, including low-income groups, communities of color, first responders, and essential workers. Welcome, Chef Andres and Mr. Penn. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, So, Chef, you uh, normally live in Bethesda, Maryland. But you're not there tonight. No, I, I'm. I'm actually so relieved
2: that I made it to be with you. I am in in Colombia, but I am not um, um, in in the main country. I'm in an island uh, of, uh, uh, I mean, of Colombia. Even this is uh, closer to Nicaragua, uh, called San Andres. It's funny that my last name is Andres. Um, And I'm here with uh, Wall Central Kitchen and we are providing food relief and water to another island called Providencia, which is being badly hit by the last hurricane. Um, Iota, that became a Hurricane 5, where nobody expected. And Providencia, which was home of 6,000 people, uh, literally, it's been wiped out. There's no 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 one building left uh, that is not being badly damaged. So we've been here doing uh, six, seven, eight thousand meals a day, almost double meal for everybody. And and here I am after a long day on planes. Uh, here I made it back to to join you and 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 join my, my good friend uh, Sean. So.
0: Happy to be with you. Thanks for joining us. So we just came through Thanksgiving. How did you spend it, and what were your priorities for uh, aiding people?
2: Well, uh, this Thanksgiving obviously has been, uh, I think, more special than any Thanksgiving I ever remember. Uh, I I celebrate with my family, uh, the three my three beautiful daughters, Carlota, Ines, Lucia. Um, we decided to follow uh, the people that we like to believe that are experts on this, putting aside what we want and and trying to do the right thing by not gathering with 20, 30 people. Uh, So this Thanksgiving for me has been special because that, right? Because I've been with uh, my daughters, my close family, uh, but at the same time, believing that by loving each other means sometimes being away from each other. And, and, and this has been a special Thanksgiving because that the last two, three Thanksgivings we've been in places that they were hit badly by a hurricane or a fire. So um, we were in paradise with my daughters uh, for one Thanksgiving where we were feeding everybody that was badly hit by the fires in California. And another Thanksgiving in Puerto Rico, where we did almost close to 200,000 Thanksgiving meals as a way to thank everybody that helped us so much uh, after Maria. Uh, so, so we've done the big Thanksgivings, um, and we went all the way to the very small Thanksgiving. Nonetheless, I think this one, for many reasons, um, uh, it's been very special because the meaning this time it meant. To, to do it in families, smaller groups, and, and just give thanks for, for everything we have.
0: Mr. Penn, do you have a most memorable Thanksgiving helping others?
1: <clears throat> well, I mean, my most memorable Thanksgiving at the age of 60 would have been my most recent uh, Thanksgiving because my memory is not so good for the others. <laughs> and I think, you know, it was a time. It's been with the work that CORE has been doing. It's been a very busy uh, nearly a year now with the COVID-19 response. And so, we, you know, I feel very, very blessed, very lucky that I'm in a city that has, notwithstanding our own involvement in it, access for everyone to to COVID-19 testing. So we took a, our small family group and did uh, double tests with an isolation period in between to prepare for Thanksgiving put some HEPA filters in the kitchen area and, and any areas uh, in the house that might be um, uh, traveled, aside from the, the focus of the, the uh, gathering, being outdoors, and, um, and uh, bathed in sanitizer and uh, kept our distance when we could and, and really enjoyed spending that kind of time with each other. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, it, it was ever-present in our minds uh, that uh, that we were in a very uh, luxurious position as a, a as a result of being able to purchase HEPA filters, being able to get access to tests like this, and also being of a, a fam- familial culture um, that is not dismissing the realities of this virus.
0: Uh, Course response to uh, the COVID nineteen uh, epidemic. Has been not just a question of de- delivering services, but also it seems to me delivering information. And I was hoping you could um, share with our viewers
1: um, what what your organization calls the core eight. The core eight, yeah. Well, you again, you're you're at sixty. I told those guys our comms team early on, don't give me the core eight when I when I can't <laughs> quote the core riff the core eight. But the they ba- you know, they are the basic common sense aspects yeah. of it. And, and as we are on you know, uh, with, in this night with this extremely deserving recipient uh, of, of the Steinbeck Award, uh, Chef Andres, you, you know, what, what he, he will tell you as well is that <clears throat> in all, in, in any kind of emergency response, the, the, it is all about the wraparounds. It is all about g- gathering the components of response. We've all heard the, the, the conversation about the economy, Versus the public health sector issues, and we all we know that without one you don't have the other, and and without food, without security, without communication, all of these basic things. In this case, the COVID nineteen, you know we are all such on a broken record of masking, distancing, uh, isolation, and quarantining, uh, all of these things, and uh, and I think. Now, the thing that we really need to, you know, for, for their um, um, compromised uh, founder talking to you tonight, uh, who's not going to rattle off the core eight, I think that, that, that the essential thing is that we are in a period where we have to really quadruple down. Psychologically, we all recognize the value of seeing some light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to the vaccines that are coming online. And and no matter what end of the political spectrum you are on, the fact of the matter is that we will not be able to bring this economy back up to full rising until this thing is disarmed. We are within a now relatively short period. I know it's much easier for some of us to say and do than for others. But the impact will be the same on all of us. And I think that the the main thing I'd like to communicate is for though anyone who is willing to listen, who hasn't already heard it or been willing to listen before is now's the time to try the hardest and to, and to exercise those common sense uh, protections. Thanks for that.
0: So I have a question for both of you um, because it relates to what you're both doing. A recent Washington post article that you may have seen stated that, uh, an alarming fact. One in eight Americans reported that sometimes they off or sometimes or often they didn't have enough food to eat in the past week. What would you say to those in need? What, what advice would you give them as far as where to turn and and what to do next? Chef, you start.
2: So thank you, Sean. So what I will tell them is that, we, we the people are three words that to me is one of the reasons I was very proud to join America. I feel I became an American before I got a passport. I learned that owning or having an American passport or a passport from any other country is not the sign that you belong. You belong by being there, by being one more member of our society of your community where everybody contributes some of some people in a bigger way, some people in a smaller way, but actually if you are contributing, everything counts, everything should be, uh, thanks. Um, because everybody does what they can to make their communities better. Some people with money, some people showing up to work, some people volunteering in a soup kitchen, uh, It's thousands of ways you can be part of your community. But in this moment, we see that uh, COVID-19 is showing the weaknesses of the system of America, of many other countries around the world. So to anybody that is listening to us right now, I will say... uh, When I became American, they told me that to be American was to make sure that I was part of democracy, that I was going to be part of voting, that I was going to be um, a person that was supposed to be contributing to my community, to my country beyond the day that you vote. And what I will say to everybody is vote with your conscience. Make sure that we do support people leaders that actually you believe are listening to you, that are listening to your needs, and make sure that whatever is what you decide, that you are the one making the case of whom you support, what ideas you support. Make sure that you support yourself. Make sure that you are voting for what you believe Because right now I have a sense that we got into this kind of very uh, dystopian situation, which is part of the present, where sometimes we all support things or people and we don't really look ourselves at the mirror and ask ourselves what is really important to me and my family and my neighborhood and my community. And are these leaders that we vote well for mayor or for congressmen, or for governor, or for president. Are they really looking after me? Are they really looking after my community? You can be right, you can be left, you can be Republican, you can be Democrat, but are, are in essence, people that listen to my needs and help me be part of my community with all the opportunities and rights That every single human, every single American deserves. So, to those people that they feel somehow alone, I will tell them, don't feel alone because we have each other. We, the people, mean something, is something powerful, but will only be powerful if you understand that even those that don't think like you, they are not your enemy, but they are people that are only bringing different ideas to try to create a better community, a better union. So we need leaders that understand that respecting each other is the only way forward and that each other enriches you. And it's okay to have people that are your friends that think different than you. If we all do it, respecting each other, listening to each other, and at the end, finding a middle point where maybe it's not perfect and everybody's happy, but we all agree that the only way to move forward is doing it together. And that's what I will tell people listening to us right now. Be hopeful because at the end of the day, my friends, we have each other. And that's the most powerful thing we have in America, but also we have anywhere else around the world.
0: Mr. Penn. Yeah, do you want to add something? Are you asking me? Well, I wanted to ask you how you think the change in administration is going to
1: affect the work that you're doing with CORE. Do you think? Um, uh- yeah, I just I'd like to add one thing to what Jose was saying and, and relative to your question is that there, along with the, you know, I think it's been really revealed more than ever recently or certainly more than recent memory. Um, the governments can't alone do things, even in the best of situations. That that citizenry has to contribute, but within that there are the most vulnerable who are struggling to survive, and the idea of contributing is very abstract. And so, for people who are in trouble, you know, I uh, with with to manage expectations. We both, World Central Kitchen and CORE, are a very small part of what can respond. So managing expectations, but God knows that while we're on this line talking to people and for whoever might be listening that finds themselves in that struggle, that doesn't know where they're going to get the food to feed their family tomorrow. Um, if, if CORE or World Central Kitchen or together, we can't uh, you know, serve every place, we struggle for, for funding all the time. But reach out to us, because we will advocate for you. We will help point the light on that. Um, When it comes to the next administration, I personally have a lot of hope. Uh, I've listened to uh, President-elect Biden's uh, platform on COVID. uh, And and while he's dealing in short sound bites, essentially, and broad strokes, uh, my sense, from my experience, is that they are recognizing uh, very specifically exactly what needs to be done. So I have a lot of hope there. My concern is that, you know, we do understand that there has been this large uh, off of division in the country, both Jose's organization and mine, neither of us vet your party when we hire people to work with us. Uh, we've got Republicans, we've got Democrats, we've got independents, and we got great people from all categories. They're people who are invested in service. My biggest concern is going to be cynicism. I really, really do not, will not afford myself to be cynical about where this next administration will go. I believe we must, as a country, give this next administration a chance. And I, I very much worry that there will be sniping from the left early on and i would just encourage those who are who are sniping with luxury to be aware of you know their hunt for endless struggle where there are people in a real struggle right now in the country there's a saying my co-founder ann lee is fond of uh, repeating which is that with elephants fight the grass suffers and this uh, political system and the media system has become elephants fighting It kind of reminds me of those soccer parents who end up in fistfights while their kids are crying on the sidelines over a call. Uh, We really have to, as Jose said, get together. And I I believe that uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris are essentially decent, committed servants of the people. There are many people who will disagree with them on policy, but you will never know whether this country could move forward if you maintain cynicism, skepticism—that's healthy. Cynicism will kill us. So, while I am hopeful, I am uh, suspicious of my own. I
0: think we all agree that's uh, I, Steinbeck was wary of cynicism as well, and something that he fought against. Um, we're getting a lot of comments from and comments and questions from viewers on YouTube, and I wanted to share a few of them with you. Um, A viewer named Fannie Lee Lowe writes in, as a black 83-year-old elder, I thank you both from the bottom of my heart for your compassionate contributions to the planet. Uh, I have a lot of people who are interested in knowing how you guys met and decided to work together. Who wants to take that one on?
1: I'll start. I'll start. All right. I'll drop a name. Um, we were introduced by President Clinton in Port-au-Prince. And what I recall, because as Jose was saying early, in our earlier conversation, I can be a little aloof initially with people, and especially with people who have a large personality. But I'm going to tell you that, you know, your question was how we met, but now it's all how, how we are as friends, and and this man— who is a bigger-than-life personality and who I believe, you know, he and I have both taken, we've worked uh, very closely with uh, first responders in the the United States military and other militaries. We've seen leadership. There's never been a bigger general on the field or a better leader than than, uh, Chef Andres. And many times when we've worked together uh, uh, since we met, I kind of draft on his energy. I just sit back and I say, thank God I've got somebody who can be a spokesman for both of our groups because he's got um, this extraordinary heart and energy. I saw a video of him once in his kitchen with his daughters and it tells you that the man is cellularly built on love. And that love itself builds logistics that are miraculous. He's been, every single time I get on the phone, to, to to say, hey, there's this problem in this part of the world. When can you? When can we meet there? And he says, "I'm already here, baby," <laughs> <laughs> as he is tonight. Um,
2: listen, uh, uh, you know, uh, many things happen in the world, right? But uh, I think lately, in the last twenty, thirty years, with social media and life goes so quick and and it's so many news. and But I'm not gonna lie to you that uh, Wall Central Kitchen uh, was many different people or organizations that inspire me to say, I am a cook to feed the few, but also I can be a cook to feed the many, to use whatever talents I have, not only to try to run uh, a successful restaurant, uh, to create community, one 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 meal at a time. But in certain moments also, I can not only myself, but obviously my entire chef food that is more than chefs, more than cooks, the entire community to try to be engaging in bringing hope, one meal, one plate of food at a time. When I landed a few weeks in Port-au-Prince after... Uh, the huge earthquake that really demolished um, parts of poor Prince, especially the parts where the poor people were living. Um, when I landed, which I landed in Dominican Republic and I crossed into Haiti driving and, and I was able to join some NGOs and I began cooking. Uh, I didn't really know I went to help. I really went to learn Um, Because to help others, first, you need to be learning and aware of how you can help. But in the process of learning, yes, you do. You try to do some good. Obviously, by the time I landed already, I knew, I read, friends told me about Sean Penn that was in Haiti very early on the earthquake, days after the earthquake. And in my brain was like, man, the, this actor, which I adore, which I think is amazing. But what the heck is he doing? What what's really what's really happening? And and what I learned uh, from the distance watching this amazing village that he was creating out of rubble and out of chaos. How this person that actually you will think like he has no Experience doing what he was about to be doing, which was bringing hope to people, giving them places to live, giving them water, giving them in the process of education, trying to, trying to fix their lives of an entire community, thousands of people, and becoming at the same time kind of a lighthouse, a lighthouse of hope, a lighthouse that was sending a message to thousands tens of thousands of Haitians that had no hope that there was one person caring, that was one person trying to say, we we listen to you, we hear you, we know you need us, but at the same time, not trying to impose himself, but giving the Haitian people the power to help themselves. This is very rare because sometimes when organizations, we come from the outside, we come sometimes with a very, you know, kind of, hey, here we are and we are going to tell you what you need. Sean created this amazing, powerful moment. Uh, I will not say an organization. He created a movement. He created something like was beyond some, some logo of whatever uh, the organization was. Uh, and that's what really made me fall in love, literally, with Sean, that will be a man that will be putting his life aside that he will be canceling his life to dedicate himself in person, in body and spirit to try to improve the lives of people far away from where he was from, far away from the places he lives. And this to me was huge. I think to this day, as many recognitions maybe he got, I don't believe the world, America has really Um, uh, came to grasp what it meant having somebody with so much leadership, so much empathy, so much love and care as all those months, more than a year, that to this day, very involved, that Sean Penn decided that he was going to help the Haitian people, that he was going to empower them to try to lift them up and make sure to create something amazing out of the rubble. Sean did that. I know he got a lot of help from others, but many people joined Sean's spirit and became a very powerful agent of change. To this day, Evil Central Kitchen exists in no small part. is because Sean told me that the will of the people can overcome any any problem. And Sean, for that is has been... Uh, an amazing hero of mine before, I can call him now proudly a friend. And that's why we are so proud that we go to different places and even we do different things. At the end, we are doing the same thing, bringing hope and showing that actions are more important than talk.
0: I. That's a great answer. I, uh, and it sort of leads to another question that I wanted to take from the audience. Um, this is coming in from a, a viewer who says... When Steinbeck researched the migrant situation for Grapes of Wrath, he took food to migrants. He often felt that his help was a drop in the bucket. Do you, do you feel that you help many, but there are still many more that you can't help? How do you stay positive? And this ties in for me a, a lot with something that you uh, write about in your book, uh, Chef Andres, um, We Fed an Island, where you talk about many times about uh, the number of meals that FEMA admitted they needed to provide versus the number of meals at each point in your uh, journey in Puerto Rico that you were able to provide. How did you stay positive during that? Um, I, I think we need to recognize that obviously is
2: um, hundreds of thousands of people around the world right now that they care. And that's what keeps me positive. It's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people with loads of empathy. People that don't get the recognition that Sean or myself get. That's why I believe that sometimes I feel awkward receiving any award because I can give you hundreds of names of people that they do it every single day, making a very small salary. That even when they are off, they are still working because they live in the same communities as they're helping. Um, It's all these unsung heroes everywhere in every continent. And this is one of the reasons I keep doing what I do. Obviously we cannot claim ever victory. We, I feed people and I know it's hundreds of millions that every night go hungry in many countries around the world. I was very proud that this year, obviously, World Food Programme received the Nobel Nobel Prize Award. Uh, Deservedly so. I've been with World Food Programme, and I see what they do. And I've been in places like Mozambique, and I've been flying on their helicopters, and I've been to rural areas watching the amazing work they do. And the people that work for all the organizations, big or small, are great people. That alone doesn't mean that we should not be critical of all of us, mefers, of our organizations, especially of the big organizations, of when we claim big things like we are going to end childhood hunger. This was done by UNICEF and by UN many years ago, 20, 30 years ago. And still today, we know that these millions of children that are malnourished, that they're going hungry. And we're not talking about Africa or Asia or South America. We're talking even sometimes in our own backyard. So what I will say is that it's okay sometimes to cheer good achievements and, and some successes, but I do believe we all need to be slightly more critical of the work we do from the governments, from the rich countries, from the big NGOs or the small NGOs. I think sometimes we are all like seals in the zoo when they give us a sardine and we all clap. Seems that we are always preaching to the same choir and we all have this kind of feeling like we are successful. But I think in the 21st century, we need to be far away more pragmatic and slightly more critical with our successes, but especially with our failures to deliver. And I don't believe being critical of our failures is a negative thing. I think to be critical with our failures is the only way we can get better. When I said that FEMA was leaving the people of Puerto Rico hungry, I was not trying to bring down an entire government effort to try to help the American people in the Caribbean, in the island of Puerto Rico. I was only trying to bring light that we must do better, that actually we can do better, and that actually the people of the world expect from us being better. At the end, I run my organization almost like my restaurant. I make sure that every guest that comes to my restaurants has no complaints. Yes, they're paying. When you're giving food, let's say for free in a disaster, we must be treating the people as they are paying customers. With the same expectations, no less. So I go sometimes bad, obviously, with a tear or two. I remember in Puerto Rico coming back from Ponce, the second biggest city in the south of Puerto Rico, 10 days after Maria hit Puerto Rico. And the mayor, which I adore, Mayita, it still didn't have a working functioning phone. We were delivering food for, to the National Guard, which I'm proud of. But imagine the feeling when even the National Guard was having problems feeding themselves. What do you imagine was happening to the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Puerto Ricans that didn't have electricity, didn't have cell signal, their roads were destroyed, their homes were destroyed and was no hope in sight. That's why I do believe being self-critical in this moment is essential, and we need to start seeing criticism as a way to understand where we must get better. We can end child, childhood hunger. We should be ending food deserts. We should be ending hunger in America because I don't believe we will end hunger anywhere else around the world if America, the richest country probably in the history of, hum- of humanity, when still we have hungry people in our cities, in our rural areas, it's hard for me to believe we will end hunger anywhere else. So for me to fight hunger in America, as Jonas Stenbeck tried to show us, bringing light to the issues, will be a first step to one day dream that actually we can end hunger showing people not pity, but showing them dignity by showing them that we are next to them and that we are going to invest in their communities to make sure that they can have a better life. Again, not expecting a plate of food, but them on their own making it through. That's what I hope uh, will happen. And that's what I am
0: hopeful. I have a question for Mr. Penn next. Uh- You received the Steinbeck Award in 2004, and back then a reporter from the San Francisco Chronicle asked you if you deserved the Steinbeck Award, which probably was a nod to a cheeky reporter who asked the same thing of Steinbeck when he won the Nobel Prize, and he basically said no, but uh, if he deserved it, you know. But at the time you replied, you hope to earn the award later if you haven't already. You know, I don't think there's anyone who thinks they're doing enough. So I wanted to ask you, how about now? Are you doing enough?
1: Oh, listen, you, the, the second you think you're doing enough, you're dead. I um, mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's a big myth. It's only people who haven't won awards that think that people who won awards feel they deserve them. Um, you know, there's <laughs> there's a I I I, I want to hit on something that Jose said, you know, because he was talking about self-criticism. I recently received – there was a long, longtime supporter of CORE. Wonderful woman in Nashville, Tennessee, who, who wrote a note very angry with myself um, about some uh, statements that I'd make that, that she had equated with a kind of um, personal attack when it came to leadership, uh, uh, federal leadership recently. Um, I had felt that I was, you know, had, had a little bit of humor in a desperate situation, uh, but she interpreted it as um, mean spirited words. Well, it's, you know, I, I, it's made me think a lot. And there's a, there's a, a phrase that we've adopted that I've adapted with my team, um, that slow is smooth, smooth is fast, and blood is slippery. It's a military weapons, tactical terminology, meaning if you've got a, 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 a finger on a bloody trigger, it's slippery, and, and you might just press it when you don't want to. We have to, in self-criticism, both as individuals, as NGOs, as government employees, as politicians, and the society at large, we have to look long and I'll use an example. Statistically, we're talking about data a lot lately because we talk about it related to scientific data with the COVID-19 virus. Data matters. The data is, and this is um, unequivocal, that on our current track in terms of gender equality in the workplace, we will get there in 257 years. Now, I could go out there as a man, woman, trans, LGBTQ. I get confused by all the terms, but, uh, but equal respect to all. Any one of us that goes out there and says, this is going to change tomorrow. It's just not reality. It's a self-serving sense of fighting the good fight while we're here. We don't get to make things great, move fast, but we can make them move a lot faster. And one of the criticisms that we should all, more and more of us should have of ourselves is not looking long enough when we join the culture of complaint and we personalize attacks. Jose and I know well from around the world, and I'm now just talking about American Foreign Service officers. I have not met more good people among the Democrats than the Republicans. People in foreign service extraordinarily dedicated. We talk about FEMA. You will, t- you will find people who don't have the luxury that the chef and I have of speaking as individuals who work with and run our own organizations. They're on these big freighter ships and they will move as fast as the country will move and, and hold their feet to the fire together. We can say and do all we want in our own time we will solve none of these problems in our own time. And if we don't work together as a human machine that goes beyond our time on earth, we're never going to get there with anything, but a miracle can happen. And it can actually happen in our kids time. If we do it now.
0: I want to take a couple more questions from the audience. Now I have one here. Uh, Jose, how can a college student become involved in world central kitchen and what types of service can they help with? Uh,
2: we are still a young organization. We've been active uh, over 10 years. And let me tell you, um, if you go to the worldcentralkitchen.org webpage, the same if you go to the core webpage, uh, you will see it's ways we offer uh, young people to to volunteer. But I believe we are an organization that our success has been... Engaging the local communities. We come from the outside. We bring two or three people the first day, then other people join, depends the event. But the success we create is not because what we do, but it's because we are able to engage local communities to help us do what we do. Nobody better than the locals to provide relief to the locals, because locals know best, because locals know their community. So the success of what we do only happens because we are able to take everything from the locals, that they help us, help them. So I will say, be alert, be looking. I hope you don't see us because if you see us means maybe something bad happened in your community. But if that happens, I want you to know we will be there. And we will be there only because you are there. We are trying, obviously, to get slightly more sophisticated. We are trying to create the... Uh, we we already have it, and we are going to be announcing partnership with a couple of universities that we are creating uh, this kind of course, which is, it will be for food-first responders, where we will es- essentially in cooking schools, in universities, in, in hotel and management schools, especially bringing veterans, which they already have a lot of experience in chaos by being deployed overseas and in war zones, and people that want to be in the culinary arts, we will, the, we will come up with this kind of course that those food first responders, in the same way we activate the National Guard, we will be able to activate the food first responders to join us to make sure that now we don't have one event. Right now, what Central Kitchen is at the same time in many states and cities across America. We are in Guatemala, we are in Honduras, we are in Colombia, we are in Venezuela, we are. we just finished our mission in Lebanon after the explosion in Beirut. So we can only do that if we start thinking strategically. So be ready, be alert, follow us. It'll be always an opportunity for you to help your community, or maybe one day join us. I always say that the best volunteers are not the ones that tweet at us or or the ones that email at us are the ones that show up at the door where we are already cooking and feeding. And they knock on the door and they say, here I am. And the first thing we do is like, come in because we need you. Why we do that is I remember I was a young boy and I wanted to work in one restaurant, El Bulli, the best restaurant in the history of humanity. How did I get my job there? By knocking on the door. So I will say to every young or not so young person listening to us right now, when you want something, knock on the door. If the door doesn't open, jump over the window. If you really want to be there, make it happen. Believe me, sometimes if people don't answer back to you on volunteering opportunities, it's because maybe they're overwhelmed. But if you show up because you are nearby or because you have free time or because you know somebody in that community that you can be really helpful. Don't hesitate, make it happen. That's how the best responses happen. Nobody called Sean Penn to go to Haiti. Nobody called Sean Penn to show up in Puerto Prince and create an amazing city within the city. Sean Penn went on his own. People will say, well, but he was a famous actor and he had money. I guess, and he had friends with money. Yeah, forget about it. Probably Champagne or me. I was we were as lost as when we began, as maybe you were trying to help. What we do is trying to bring light into darkness. How do you bring light by showing up? So it'll be opportunities, follow us. We can do obviously those courses that is part of what we're trying to build. But sometimes only takes to put two boots on your feet and show up. boots on the ground will always win the day. So that's all I have to say. I
1: want to jump in on that because that's what built core. We went as 30 Americans looking to spend two weeks distributing pain medica- uh, um, intervening with pain medications uh, to the trauma centers. And because we were where we were embedded in our own tents on the edge of a, a IDP camp, that became the biggest IDP camp in the, in the city, at sixty thousand people at its height. At its height, within the first five days, we, we started doing what we could in the camp, and we would be there day and night through the night. And we and there were young Haitians who saw us and saw that we meant business, and they came up and started knocking at the door of our tent camp, essentially, and saying, "We believe you're trying to help our country. We want to help." And they ended up building the organization. They are the organization now. We went from an organization initially in our Haiti, you know, now we are throughout the U.S. and the Bahamas and in other places and moving along, as well as staying in Haiti as we will forever. But the Haitian part of our organization that started as 30 Americans has at any given time been as many as a thousand uh, Haitians, uh, and all Haitian led. And that's what happened. They came. They inspired us. They built us. They guided us. When Jose talks about working with local communities, if the problem was the it was the was running the rapids on the Grand Canyon, and you know they, the aid organization had a raft, you would not want to be the guide. You'd want to provide the raft and say, "Give me a local guide to get you down the river."
0: <laughs> I have a related question from a viewer. What are some ways that help, like the organization? Like the type of help that your organizations provide may become more scalable and spread more easily among communities and build a foundation for empowerment um, We need to be careful on on
2: on the on the growth of organizations right right now uh, World central Kitchen went from being an organization of three four people to now being. <laughs> Many more. Right now, probably, we have hundreds of employees because COVID-19, we've done almost 40 million meals across America, uh, Spain, uh, uh, Bahamas, and other countries that we've been, Dominican Republic. And, and I keep going back to we need to make sure that if we grow, we never lose the spirit of who we are because if you grow too much, you end becoming the big organizations that sometimes you are critical of so for me i do believe we are in a in a moment where we need to see ngos as startups and i do believe we are in the moment of specialized ngos ngos cannot be good at everything because not even private sector companies are good at everything private sector companies are successful because they are highly specialized in what they are good at. And they are what they are, and they provide those services, and that's why they become successful. When NGOs are on the side of growing too much and trying to believe they are everything, it's one moment that cannot happen, because it's not possible. Because at the end of the day, I will say, shit, all those CEOs of all those big NGOs, they should be running... The private sector, because if they are so good in success in the NGO, why they don't join the private sector? I do believe we need to be careful on growing organizations so big that they become like the typical banks, that they are too big to fail. We need to be right on on what's the right size. So for me, the best experience is when I joined DC Central Kitchen, the organization that was funded by a friend of mine, a hero of mine, probably the best food fighter I've ever knew, a guy that was a bartender and that thought that wasting food was wrong. But actually he had the right mentality. Robert Egger thought that we are talking about food waste, but actually what we are wasting is people's life. It's not about food waste. It's about not wasting one life in America, one life in the world. So he empowered people to make sure that that food was about to be wasted. To make sure we brought it together, we trained the people, homeless ex convicts. And in the process, we were able to feed homeless and people in need in Washington, DC, with food was about to be thrown out. Brilliant. Not throwing money at the problem, but investing into the solution. This is Central Kitchen was and is today thirty five years later, a very successful organization, and where I'm very proud to be part of it for all these years. What Robert did, he saw that, yes, This Is Central Kitchen was an idea to scale. So he began scaling it through a lot of campus kitchens in many universities across America. It's so many universities in so many states that the spirit of Robert Egger, the spirit of This Is Central Kitchen lives today. But it grew in a very organic way. The idea was given away, and was endorsed by local organizations that got the idea of Robert and this is Central Kitchen and make it their own. That to this day is still functions, is still successful. So scaling is smart, scaling is good, but we need to make sure that we don't scale in a moment that we become a monster that then we cannot control. And then we become what we are criticizing. I think it's very important that everybody understands What are you good at? And make sure that you are concentrating in becoming the best you can at that. And sometimes, investing time and effort in convincing other people that they should be doing the same in their communities or in other countries. So at the end, we don't try to grow as World Central Kitchen in my case, but we try to do something bigger, empowering others to take control of their own communities, to their own necessities and create their own response in situations like the ones we'll respond. I do believe that's the bay- the best way forward. So I wanna grow, but I don't want to grow so much that then I lose control of what we are good at. I rather prefer encourage and empower others to take control of their own countries, communities, cities, and they can, with help of maybe organizations like ours, become everything they come. I do believe that's the best way forward. Yeah, I w-
1: I would add to that because I think that's a perfect answer to, to one part of the question. And I think that that Jose did round it out with what I want to echo, which is that part of this is about replicability. It's, it, you know, in neither the World Central Kitchen model nor in the core model, uh, do, do we have some kind of patented material. We have a lot of lessons learned. We, for example, in our COVID response, immediately published a kind of how to on organizing test sites in a in a, a, a public part a private partnerships. Uh, and and I think that that as we go forward is going to be the way, you know, in the case and, and what he talks about in terms of the force multiplying or the or this rather the scale ups. Uh, you know, when 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 we jumped in on the on covid testing, uh, we ended up to date having to hire uh, approximately a thousand more people across the United States and we all kick bite and scratch to get the funding to be able to uh pay these people because we're also trying to create employment where there's a a a lack of employment to to do that in the communities that are working those sites uh you know as we were talking about before but also to encourage replication uh you know there's 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 nothing i I, I, you know they used to they, they say there's no greater compliment than copying uh, we're very happy to be copied. We're ha- very happy to be improved upon. Uh, we're ready to share everything that we've learned and every every way that we've gone about what we've gone in any way that that will help and impact and encourage others to do the same.
0: So this program uh, is part of the Commonwealth Club's Inforum division. And typically, uh, programs in uh, sponsored by Inforum ask speakers a last question, the same last question. And the question is this, what's your 60 second idea to change the world? Wow.
2: I wish I read the questions before I joined you. Uh, (laughs) Listen,
0: you can answer that however you want.
2: I think to change the world, we need more boots on the ground. I think um, democracy works, but we need to recognize at the same time, it's imperfect because nothing is perfect. Actually, what keeps us going is understanding that we must work hard to improve things and that nothing can be taken for granted. I think that's why I love America in so many ways. We recognize at times that we are an imperfect union, but if we look at the history of America, it's been a country that has shown us that slowly, step by step, we keep getting better. It's still a lot of things to fix, a lot of inequality to fix, a lot of opportunity to fix. Uh, But every day, I believe we are getting a little bit better. So to change the world means let's stop talking and let's start doing. Let's make sure that we empower every single human being to bring what they know to improve the lives of others. I do believe in the American dream. I know John Steinbeck believed in the American dream, but he was a very pragmatic American dream believer. I do believe that the American dream should be changed to the new American dream where actually everything that must be good for you and for your loved ones must be good for others. I think this is something very simple to understand where me doing well, can never ever be again at the expense of others doing bad. That my success must be the success of others. And if we do that, I do believe we can actually change the world. John Steinbeck had huge influence on me with his novel, The Poe, 1947. Probably was the first American, was the first English book I read. And the story of Kino and his wife And trying to save his child really had a huge influence on me. I was doing the military service at the time, and I visited Africa for the first time. I visited South America for the first time, the Caribbean for the first time. In a way, Kino was here. The pearl was the perfect essence, that what must be good for me must be good for others. The way I will protect my three daughters for a better tomorrow is not putting them behind a wall. The way I will make sure my daughters are safe is when we tear down the walls and we build longer tables. I know probably, without paraphrasing John in any way, I know if he's looking at us talking right now, he will endorse this message. We must build longer tables and make sure that we provide to others the same thing we're trying to provide for our own.
1: I guess, Sean Penn. I, I, you know, I'll refer to Steinbeck also in Travels with Charlie. He says, "I wonder why progress looks so much like destruction." In so many ways, <clears throat> uh, you know, economy and economists are really um, more. It's more of a field of philosophy than it is of fact. And we look over the history of just the U.S. economy. And who really knew something as we go up and down and up and down. And so many have been left behind throughout. Clearly, we have not mastered the art of economy. And I think it goes back to this idea of looking long. So rather than um, you know posing on the grand scale of how to change the world, I'll start with this country uh, that I grew up in as an American. I really believe uh, it's difficult to whether you use the word incentivized or mandatory. <clears throat> But service at an early age, I believe a basic thing that could cost a lot of money now, for example, I give you two years of service, whether that be military, forestry, working with the elderly, whatever it is, and you, America, will pay for my college tuition, period, end of story. What you will have is a generation of people who found out they mattered, and it will never leave them.
0: I couldn't agree more.
1: I love that idea
0: um i think it's time now for our award presentation really (laughs) brace yourself gentlemen the john steinbeck award in the souls of the people was created in 1996 by san jose state university to honor writers artists thinkers and activists whose work captures steinbeck's empathy commitment to democratic values, and belief in the dignity of people who, by circumstance, are pushed to the fringes. Previous recipients include Bruce Springsteen, Arthur Miller, Joan Baez, Dolores Huerta, Michael Moore, Ken Burns, Rachel Maddow, and most recently the band Mumford & Sons. Without question, this year's recipient carries forward Steinbeck's values but he also extends Steinbeck's artistic vision. Jose Andres is like a character from one of Steinbeck's stories, a world famous chef who could spend his days cooking for aristocrats, but chooses instead to follow his audacious dream of feeding the world's hungriest people. If the ghost of Tom Joad really does roam the earth, I'll bet he's volunteering for World Central Kitchen. It is my great honor to present the 2020 John Steinbeck Award to Chef Jose Andres.
2: Thank you, thank you very much. Um, do I have to say something now?
0: <laughs> How could you not?
2: Uh, okay, so uh, well, thank you, uh, Sean. Thank you very much for joining me on joining us on on this. Um, Really, I couldn't be with better people than than you. Um, but I think in this moment that sometimes we feel it's been a lot of talk about I, the person. I sincerely believe we are in the age of with the people, and with the people, shouldn't be a new a new phrase. I do believe it's something like American braces deep inside. I think it's something the wall embraces deep inside, and. And with the people is what is going to carry us forward. And I think Johannes Stenberg himself, what he did through through his novels, through his writing, he's trying to say that we are all on this together. That with the people is what is going to carry us on. And that's why uh, with with Wall Central Kitchen that uh, we did this military kind of coins to try to give to people that they've done good things for us for Wall Central Kitchen. We kind of paraphrase him and I hope you're not going to sue me but we paraphrase him where where we said that whatever there is a fight so hungry people will eat we will be there I know Tom Jode said I will be there but I know that even Tom um, in the spirit that Jon Stenberg wanted to see Tom was the I meant the we and that's uh, what we've been trying to do uh, nothing has made me happier Uh, in many ways, that we've been in Salinas next to the um, United Farm uh, Workers Foundation doing more than 200,000 meals, like in so many other communities across America. And I will believe that that Tom will be there with us. uh, In a way, he is with us. And I know uh, Mr. Stenbeck, in a spirit, is there with us. So I'm not accepting this award as I, the person, but I'm accepting this award on the basis of we the people, on the many people that influence me, who I am, that allow me to do what I do, that made me smarter to be a little bit successful in what we do and understanding that it is not I who make it happen, but we, the many people, hundreds and thousands of people, not only with World Central Kitchen, but millions in organizations that are trying to give their best sometimes putting their families and their own time aside to bring comfort and hope to others. So I accept this award, but again, not as Jose Andres, I, the person, but as, as we, the people, Wall Central Kitchen people and the many other people like Sean Penn organization and the many other amazing organizations that in moments of darkness bring light. And on behalf of all of them, I do accept uh, this award. So thank you.
0: Well, it wouldn't be a proper award ceremony without a statuette, and we sent yours to Maryland. So I wanted to ask if Sean Penn would uh, hold up his so that we can see what the statue looks like and what you have to come home to. It's Ah. a little bust of Steinbeck.
1: Congrats, Jose, you very deserving man and my great friend. You're an amazing, uh, you're just a gift. So for tonight, this take, take this one. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Thank you, my friend.
2: Uh, this, uh, I'm not going to cry, but I'm a very crying guy. Um, but thank you, thank you. It means a lot to, to us. It means a lot to me and my family, but it means a lot to my organization, so... So thank you thank you very very much for for a guy that didn't graduate very much almost like Jonas Stenbeck himself um exactly. in in, in yeah. you you I guess you give it to people that didn't graduate and I think that's very smart on your on your Absolutely. choosing <laughs> I hope I will graduate one day from something but but so far uh, I'm I'm trying to to find time so one day <laughs> Thank you so much chef you, you couldn't give the word to anybody that spoke worse English. So I don't know if John Stenbeck will forgive you for that. But they I gave prim- it to me.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you speak good English. But look at me. My, between my accent and you know how difficult it is to speak English with a mask? It's like, give me a break. I mean, I have a feeling like like who this was done for people that don't want English speakers like me to to, to be to be understood. Anyway, that's another conversation for another time, but, but, <laughs> but thank you, really thank you.
0: Thank you both for being here tonight.
1: Very welcome, pleasure. Thank you for letting me participate in this celebration of this great man, his great organization, World Central Kitchen.
0: Our thanks to Chef Jose Andres and Sean Penn. I'd also like to thank Satchel Kaplan-Allen and Russell Burmel of World Central Kitchen, Rachel Williams of CORE, Gloria Duffy, George Dobbins, and Crystal Contreras of the Commonwealth Club, and a special thanks to my colleague, Ted Cady of San Jose State University, who has orchestrated every Steinbeck Award since the first one in 1996. Thanks again to our audience for watching and participating live. Today's program has been held in partnership with the Martha Heasley Cox Center for Steinbeck Studies at San Jose State University. This program has also been held in conjunction with Inforum, If you'd like to watch more programs or support the Commonwealth Club's effort in making virtual programming, please visit commonwealthclub.org online. I'm Professor Nick Taylor, and now this program of the Commonwealth Club of California is adjourned. Thank you and stay safe, everyone.